Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Middle of the week, Sports Talk Mississippi, Wednesday afternoon, 3rd of June. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. You can always be a part of the show on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. At C Spire, they're not just saying they care, they're taking action to show it through COVID-19 and every day. Now more than ever, Mississippi needs to stay connected. And C Spire is working to make that happen whether it's offering free wireless data for educational websites or connecting businesses with the tools to work from home. They're even partnering with UMMC to turn the Seaspire Health app into a free virtual triage center for anyone experiencing symptoms related to COVID-19. You can always learn more online at cspire.com slash cares. We are glad to have you along this afternoon. Again, the number for that Seaspire text line is 601-879-4395. You can also shoot us a tweet on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Michael Borky, what's up? Uh, I learned today, I told Rippy this morning, that I learned today that home warranties are a godsend. Oh, yeah? Water heater. What broke? Done. But our uh, real estate agent, when we bought the house, unknowingly to me, got us a home warranty. And I didn't know that until a couple weeks ago when they sent me an email saying that it was about to expire. Now, I wish I would have known because I did some washer and dryer stuff that I would have liked to have, you know, had known that... Had somebody else pay for? Yeah, that would have been nice. However, I renewed because I was like, oh, well, that would have been nice to have before, but thank you for reminding me. I renewed it like 10 days after the new contract went into account. Water heater dies. Saved my life. Having a great day. Because of that. So did it just die or did you have a flood? It is a 16-year-old unit. It's done. Okay. And that's not like a ridiculously expensive repair, right? Uh, no. Um, C- certainly not when you have a home warranty. Yeah. <laughs> it, is a, it is a one flat fee that I'm very happy to write that check for. But yeah, I mean, the, they're not sending me a high-end one, but I looked up on Google. The high-end ones are, you know, anywhere around 1000 bucks. 1500 bucks in the super high end. I'm not getting that good, but uh, certainly uh, more than what I'm writing the check for. There you go. And if you're uh, a home warranty guy, you want to sponsor the show, call me. I'm just saying your service is incredible. <laughs> there you go. Um, I don't know that I have a home warranty. In fact, I'm pretty sure that I don't. Maybe that's something I uh, should look into. Uh, Mr. Haydad, good Wednesday afternoon. How are you today, sir? 
Man, just uh, rocking along. It's been beautiful for most of the day. All of a sudden, cloudy and raining a little bit, so uh, almost makes it feel like summer. Like it's hot and muggy and raining, and when it rolls out of here, it'll be even hotter and even muggier. So summer in Mississippi has arrived, even though I guess technically on the calendar we've got, uh, what, about three more weeks before uh, we go from uh, from spring until summer. That's a shame. Did you get your hot yoga in today? I just got hot today. I actually I went somewhere and I came home. I was like, I'm gonna put on some shorts, and on jeans. It's like this, this is just too hot. I'm gonna put some shorts on. Yeah, I think when uh, like the high temperature for the day is 90, it's probably time to be in shorts on a pretty yeah, regular so, basis. So I am. There you go, Rippy. What's up? Not a whole lot. Just hanging out. Started to rain, but yeah. not too much. Yeah. So, if you are an NBA fan like Michael Borky, I know you are, and Rippy, I know you are, and hey, Dad, maybe you're a Lakers fan, but not necessarily an NBA fan. Is that fair? Is that a fair way to couch it no, for you? That's not fair at all. I like the NBA. Okay, just NBA fan, period, yeah. with a special passion for the Lakers. Right. Okay. Well, fair enough. And then I'm, you know, okay with the NBA. I'm not for it or against it. I just, you know, kind of watch it if it's on, but don't necessarily plan my day around it. But good news, Borky, on the NBA front, more of kind of what we've been talking about for the last couple of days. Looks like it's all going to come to fruition. Yeah, remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about every news release is nothing and they're not moving forward? This is the opposite. They actually, um, we got the clear picture of what the the return to play is going to look like. And based on the the conversation that we had yesterday, if you were listening to the show, you know that vote is going to pass. Uh, I mean, I think it was the Nuggets general manager that said, we all imagine that Adam is, speaking about the commissioner, is sick of hearing our ideas by now, so whatever he puts in front of us, we're going to sign. Uh, So this is going to happen. It's a 22-team playoff, and it will feature all 16 teams that are currently, or not a playoff, but a, a return to play. It'll feature all 16 teams that were currently qualified for the playoffs and then a cutoff. And the cutoff is only going to bring the Washington Wizards from the east and then to fill the rest of the 22 are going to be the teams from the west that we talk about. New Orleans, Portland, uh, Sacramento, San Antonio, Phoenix are the additional five. And they're going to play eight regular season games only against each other. So what they're going to do is look at the schedules, and you're going to play the next eight games, and there's going to have to be some tweaking here for the East teams, but generally, your next eight games against teams that qualified for this final 22. So all of New Orleans' matchups, they're done. All of Memphis's matchup, it's already decided their next eight games were going to be against teams in this 22-game slate. After that's over, you will look at the standings, and if... The nine seed is within four games of the eight seed. They will go to a play-in. And the eight seed only has to beat the nine once. The nine has to beat the eight twice. If there is a greater than four-game separation, which is probably likely in the East, that's your playoff team. So everybody that has been called up has a chance to make the playoffs. They will all be playing each other. They all have something to play for. And we're off and running. Two months from now, but we're off and running. All right, let me ask you this. We've talked about the fact that the Memphis Grizzlies had the most difficult remaining schedule in the NBA, or at least top two or three. I think it was the most difficult. Number one. And 
the New Orleans Pelicans had the easiest remaining schedule. This kind of levels the playing field on that a little bit, doesn't it? It does. And in, in the way it works out, New Orleans plays pretty much all of their games against teams that they're fighting for position for. So here is, if that goes to chalk, uh, New Orleans will play Sacramento, Utah, the Clippers, San Antonio, Memphis, Sacramento again, Memphis, and Orlando. So they get two shots at Memphis to make up three and a half games. They get San Antonio, who is also in the running, and Sacramento, who's also in the running. Whereas Memphis has to play Portland, who's in the running, Utah and San Antonio, which helps, but they have the Thunder and the Bucks in those two games against New Orleans. So the schedule, even in this condensed version, still favors New Orleans here. And then teams that are at the top of the standings already, they're, they're going to play – everybody's playing eight games, right? They are. It's now just a jockeying for position. So Milwaukee, for example, probably doesn't have a whole lot to play for with the exception of getting your team back into game shape. Uh, but when you look at the West, I mean, uh, two and three is separated by a game. Three and four is separated by two games. Five, six, and seven are all even right now. So those eight games are going to determine playoff positioning. But – the big question is, well, who cares because there's no home court advantage if you're playing in neutral sites and they're experimenting with you know, ways they could give an advantage to the team with the higher seed, including a first pick of what resort they stay at. Hmm. So the Bucks, who have a six-and-a-half game lead in the East going into this over the Raptors, are likely to remain the number one seed, but in reality, whether they finish one or two probably doesn't make that big of a difference because they're either going to be playing Brooklyn or Orlando or the Washington Wizards if they were to play themselves into that last spot. So it's going to be a big advantage for them regardless. The The, the bigger issue would be once you get into the second or third round of the playoffs, but frankly, you're going to be playing a good team at that point anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, and everybody's good at this point. Even Washington, who's far back and, and they weren't playing particularly well, they still have a couple of guys that can put buckets on you any night. So even they can beat you if you don't bring your A game. But I, I like this. I wanted the World Cup stage group format, whatever, more, because I think that's more entertaining. But if practicality and legitimacy were a concern... This year's always going to feel weird, but this format at least feels like whoever wins has the most legitimate claim compared to every other scenario they looked at. Hmm. To me, anyway. Uh, because you give the teams that were close a shot to make the playoffs, you give everybody enough games to, to get themselves back into game shape, and the playoffs are going to look the way they were always going to look. So... Is it going to be all Disney World resorts? Appears to be the case, yeah. So if you're the one seed, you may get to choose the Grand Floridian, and if you're the eight seed, you're maybe staying at Old Key West. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. None of which are bad places, but I guess some are maybe more desirable than others. All right, so just getting started with you at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We will take a quick timeout and be right back with you.
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. So we got Borky's reaction to um, the NBA. Inc. was first. You also had Adrian Wojnarowski uh, kind of putting out the information on Twitter and uh, on ESPN earlier today. So let's get the the two of your reactions, guys. Uh, we'll start with you, Haydad. Uh, I mean, we knew it was happening at the end of the very end of July, but this format, what do you think about it? I like it. I like it. You know, I think it's sort of creative, and I knew they weren't going to be able to you know, go back to what was, you know, they weren't going to be able to say, okay, we're finishing the regular season, everything's going to be normal. They had to do something. I feel like this is a pretty, a pretty good idea. And, uh, you know, as a Lakers fan, my team is going to be one of the teams, you know, one of the two or three teams I feel like can win a championship this year. I was going to be really mad. If that opportunity was robbed uh, away from me, so and, and from the team, obviously their, their feelings are important too, I guess. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited for it. I, I want to see how it plays out. I'm all for tinkering. The I, I feel like the NBA playoff system is a little broken's not the right word, but I mean you know the the best of sevens in every in every round, and you have so many terrible teams making the playoffs usually in the East. I, I wouldn't mind seeing a little you know a little shake up to try to find a, a better way. Rip your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, the biggest issue they faced here was like how many teams to bring back and how to incentivize the teams that were on the outside looking in. And giving the nine slot a chance to beat the eight uh, doesn't jeopardize, I guess, the work of the seven seed, which in this case is Brooklyn, and really more geared toward Dallas, who's 13 games above 500 and not anywhere close to the rest of these teams. So I think they did a good job incentivizing everyone because the Phoenix Suns are six games back of the eight seed, but only two back in the loss column of the nine. And so obviously they were not making up six games of ground in eight games. That would have just been pointless to have them there. So I thought this was a creative way to keep the legitimacy of the normal playoff system while also incentivizing the, you know, from one to 22. Cause everybody else has to play for seeding. And while the two top seeds probably don't really have to, um, you know, it, it incentivizes most of the teams that they brought back, which I think was difficult to do. So good job on them. There was an idea floated out about giving the teams that would have had home court advantage um, special treatment, if you will, beyond the ability to pick a resort. I mean, there's the idea that they haven't quite decided on yet, like potentially extra timeouts or an additional review. Because in the NBA, if you didn't know this, a coach can challenge a call one time, only one time, win or lose. They only have one, giving them an additional challenge things like that i think all of that is really bad what do you think there's no reason to make it gimmicky if you were a better team and would have gotten home court then you should win on a neutral floor yeah you don't get four home games but you don't have to go in someone else's building three times either so like if you're the best team and you're the best seed you should be able to win four games on a neutral court no problem don't change the game all right you want to change the format of the playoffs that's one thing actually changing what's happening in the game that is a bad idea i would not be in favor of that plus the 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 challenge thing has been a total flop anyway it's about as bad as the nfl's pi rule none of the coaches understood it it doesn't well like i get the idea in theory but the execution was very bad and like the the coaches didn't understand it it was not going well uh in the normal flow of a season 
Uh, I mean, it seemed like almost every night on NBA TV you had some coach looking like he had just smelled a smell that he didn't understand, like with his face <laughs> while they were doing the challenge. Like it, it literally happened almost every night. Like so, no one really understood that. I don't think it, adding another challenge is going to make anyone feel better or timeouts or whatever. There's already too many timeouts in basketball anyway. So I, I don't, I don't agree with that either. I just think. I mean, it, the, the incentive to me here is if you're Los Angeles, either of the Los Angeles teams or Milwaukee, if you win 12 games, or I guess that would be, yeah, 12 games, you know, on a neutral court or whatever, to me that would be almost more legitimate uh, just because it's a hell of a lot harder because you're not getting home court. Yeah. That challenge, I, I don't understand the not returning it if you get it right. I mean, why should you lose a challenge if you challenged correctly? I don't understand that, but anyway, stoppage of play. Like you, I, I think it's one of those deals. What if you challenged it? Like, I don't, I can't remember if there were a time restriction on it, but like, if you needed a thirty-second timeout or something late in a game and didn't have one, just throw out your challenge that you know you're going to lose and talk to your guys on the floor. Ooh, that's a really good point. I mean, Jason, remember Jason Kidd having the dude spill a cup of water on him so he could get another yeah. timeout? You don't really need yeah. to give them excuses to stop the game more. Couple of texts here. Jeff says he's pretty excited about it, and he doesn't even care about the NBA. That's um, the only qualm, if you will, that I have with this is that they are starting so late, and I understand why it happened and why it took so long. I, I really do. And it is nice that once the actual playoffs begin, so after the eight games uh, are done, the players are going to be allowed to welcome immediate family, like wife and kids. Uh, to to stay with them. And that's really cool. And that wouldn't have happened if they started two weeks ago. Uh, so I understand why they're doing it, but that's the one hang-up I've got is if it goes, it will go to the NBA Finals. I mean, they're going to com- be competing over the weekend with not only college football, and there's a massive slate of games. I don't remember them all, but there's a really good slate of games that weekend um, I think it's like Auburn, LSU is that weekend. Uh, so really good slate of college football. You're never going to beat the NFL. You've got the the U.S. Open or the PGA Championship that weekend. It just, them delaying this is now, and Major League Baseball playoffs potentially also, if they get their act together, will be on at the same time. It just feels like they kind of shot themselves in the foot here because they've never competed in the postseason with football before. That's what baseball does, and it doesn't work out for them all that well. So that's the one thing that I don't like about this. I I appreciate the league being unified because this went a lot easier than it did with baseball. I appreciate that they're getting basketball back, and also I appreciate that they found a way to get Zion to play. But starting it when they, they are is going to take eyeballs away from them, and I think that's a mistake. Yeah, I mean, but it, I don't know. I guess they just feel like this is the best way to get everybody, you know, to give yourself the best possible product in terms of getting guys back in shape in, play, in playing conditions. I mean, I, I feel like it, it was sort of a no-win situation for them. They were going to they, – they, they, at some point they were going to have to go up against football a little bit, and this is just sort of the best they can do. You know, it's, 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 and the people who want to watch are going to watch. You know, the fans of the teams are going to watch, and, and, and they'll have some weeknight stuff going on, especially I, I assume we're going to get to it with it looking like MLB maybe not even happening. It may, it may just be between them and football, and, and they'll still do okay, I think. 
I don't get the delay. I get it takes time to build whatever they're trying to build down in Disney, but if you brought players to Camp Monday, you could have a three-week training camp and then start on June 29th. Yeah. You're having almost like five weeks after that in between. I don't get that. Richard Wiggins says, uh, good explanation because I couldn't understand it when I read about it earlier. Richard, it took Rippy and It was worded morning. terribly. They called it a play-in <laughs> tournament. Like It was written as a play-in tournament for the 8 and 9 seed, but like who... like. Tournament implies more than two teams. I didn't. That's what would hang up. If you just said play in series or game or games or whatever, it'd have made it a lot more sense. I wish we'd have recorded that. Us trying to figure out what they've meant. That was the. That would have been the best content of the week. I think. Uh, Kelso in Ocean Springs, uh, our resident hurricane tracker. I'm not even kidding. That's what he does for a living. Uh, says go Wizards, and uh, he reminds us to talk about Tropical Storm Cristobal, which is forming in the the Gulf of Mexico right now. Oh, lovely. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, of course, right? Um, going to probably, Kelso, help us out here. I think it's going to make landfall on the around the Mississippi-Louisiana border. It's obviously a very wide uh, path right now uh, because we're so far out, but it could potentially come right up the Mississippi River uh, Sunday. Uh, and, and Kelso, reach out to me, my friend. I know you have before. Uh, would love to talk to you about that as we get closer. Um Flies the plane that tracks hurricanes. How cool is that? That is very cool. Very dangerous stuff, too, so be careful out there, Kelso. He's offered uh, to take me up on the plane, and, and I think, honestly, I think I would like just die of nerves. I, I don't know if I can handle that. Um, we get a question here. What uh, network that carries multiple sports, which one would they choose, college football or the NBA? Depends. I mean, for weeknights, they're going to choose the NBA. On of Saturdays, course, yeah. they would have a decision to make. Isn't the well, answer college football, though? Like, if you if you have to choose, and, and they won't have to choose, but if they did, the answer is college football. Probably. Probably. Oh, I don't know. That, I mean, that's tough. Early in the season, you might go with – if you've got the NBA playoffs versus, like, week two in college football, eh. Now, if if it, I don't know how long it's going to progress, but if you got a truly huge matchup like LSU Texas is week two, what's the choice there? I don't know. Yeah. Tay in Calhoun City says, "Bro, ten days of action-packed sports during the NBA Finals. The sports fans win. You are right about that." We'll get Richard back next and continue. Oh, with sports, I know, right? Sports talk Mississippi on a Wednesday. Don't go anywhere. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Do I sound less like a robot now, Bork? Yeah, much better. Good. Good. I, uh, Although there is a little sound lines. mixer that you can buy, and I would get one for you if they weren't so expensive, but there's a little sound mixer that you can plug into your microphone that you can like just hit a button and it goes to auto-tune or... Like uh, like megaphone sounding and like you can adjust. There's like ten different uh, voice fixtures that you can put on there, and the uh, like a robot sounding voice changer is one of them. So maybe that was all you were doing. So like if I need a, a day off one day, I could uh, press the button on that uh, and be like, "Sorry, I'm not sure what's wrong with the phone lines. I'm gonna have to uh, check back in with you guys tomorrow." Maybe that's what Rippy did yesterday. Eh, mm. I don't know. There was a tea time to be had. <laughs> 
At four thirty, I would. I promise, I don't think I would have finished. Man, you could have gotten thirty six in. I, I put the kid to bed at eight yesterday, and there was still like thirty minutes of sunlight after we put him to bed. Hmm. I had too yeah, big of a headache what? after list, trying to listen to Richard ask me questions, and then every like fifth word kind of popping back in. I don't even remember what we were talking about, but like I tried to answer it three times and just no moss. Yeah. At some point, you just have to say, we'll try again uh, Try again tomorrow. Um, multiple reports out there. Uh, I think one from the Oxford Eagle and one from um, the rival site, rebelgrove.com. Neil McCready uh, tweeted this information uh, a little while ago, as did uh, Jake Thompson from the Oxford Eagle, and maybe a little bit of different information in uh, the two reports. Uh, this from uh, Neil McCready, Ole Miss, uh, in student athletes returning to campus, athletics director Keith Carter confirmed that one athletic staff member and one student athlete tested positive for COVID 19 early this week. There was another student athlete that was flagged during pre return multi layer protocols and subsequently tested positive in his or her hometown and did not report this week. There was a quote from Athletics Director Keith Carter that said, We knew we would have confirmed positives when we returned. The plan in place allowed for us to not alter the return. At this point, more than 300 people have been tested. About a third of those tests have not yet been returned. They're having to send them to the state health department, so final numbers on testing data are uh, not available at this time. Those who tested positive will be quarantined for... 14 days, and then retested. So I, I don't think this is surprising, and my guess is that uh, it, it the English Premier League will be none. an outlier. Say again? I was just going to say, it would have been shocking if there were none. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and I think that's what we're going to I mean, we saw it with Marshall. They had a couple of players uh, that returned that tested positive. I, I was just going to say the EPL, which ran through, what, 12, 1,300 players, personnel, staff members, and came back with zero positive test results. To me, that was shocking. Couldn't uh, believe that, that, that the when case. I saw that. I really couldn't and believe that. Possibly, I'm not, there's a possibility they will have more, because it's my understanding they don't have all of the results from everyone they tested yet. Not EPL, talk, back here in Oxford. The real Oxford. <laughs> well played. Um, but, not that I'm a scientist or anything, but does anybody else find it interesting that every athlete that we know of, um, Oklahoma State had a few test positive, you mentioned Marshall, there's been more. Um Rudy Gobert was going to play the night he tested positive. Donovan Mitchell, same thing. I mean, every athlete that that we know of, maybe I'm missing some, uh, that tested positive has been asymptomatic. I mean, I mean, that was the report out of Oklahoma State is none of them have symptoms. Marshall, same thing. I, correct me if I'm wrong, same thing at Ole Miss today. It makes me wonder if this thing really is a lot more widespread than we understand it to be. Oh, yeah. And then on the Jazz thing, it was like – the reason that I believe that Gobert, like it was discovered, is because he had like a couple, like some mild symptoms, to where it's like Donovan Mitchell had it, and I don't even think knew he had it. Yeah. Well, to me, the important part of this is the months of planning that went in to the return to campuses 
that are happening all across the SEC, across the state of Mississippi, and across the country. And so if you planned in a way where you expected you were going to have positive test results as you went through the testing process, bringing hundreds of student-athletes back onto campus, then you don't go crazy when you find out somebody tests positive. If you didn't do any preparation and somebody tests positive, you're like, oh my gosh, what do we do now? we got to shut the whole thing down. You don't get that at all. You go, okay, this person tested positive. Here's the protocol that we put in place. We're going to do the contact tracing to see if they've come in contact with anybody else that we need to be concerned about. If the answer is yes, we'll handle that. If the answer is no, good, we can move forward. And there's nothing that you have to worry about other than just getting those players well. And so, I mean, hey, Dad, as Mississippi State goes through this process, kind of to the point that Rippy was making a second ago, I'll be surprised if we don't have some positive test results from players or staff members along the way. As LSU goes through the process, that'll be the case. As Southern Miss goes through the process. And we'll talk to Jeremy McLean uh, hopefully tomorrow afternoon. I believe that's uh, scheduled for tomorrow afternoon in the, uh, in the 5 o'clock hour. It's, it, it's going to be a fact of life everywhere we look. Yeah, I mean, these athletic departments aren't different than any other business or any other you know place in in America. People are going to test positive. You know, it's just a question of, like you said, keep your head when that happens. Have procedures in place. Have a plan, and, and you know everything should be okay. You know, it's, if if you don't have a plan, you don't have procedures in place. That's when you have issues. But I have to think that with two plus months to prepare, that everybody that there is probably a very strict uh, way of doing things and. and you know, people will be quarantined, and then they'll come back to the team. And it, it's sort of like what Borky said, it, you know, except that, you know, broken ankles aren't contagious. But when a guy gets injured, you just, you know, he, he, he there's a procedure for that. Well, this is going to be the exact same thing. Last Wasn't it last year that Arkansas had a flu outbreak on the team? But, you know, nobody, and again, I, every time I bring that up, I have to say, it's like, I'm not saying it's the same as the flu, but there was a procedure in place. Hey, these guys are sick, so we get them away from the team. It's just going to be the same thing. Keith in Scott County says they will most likely test positive after just 14 days. Um, okay. I mean, we'll, we'll see, but 14 days has been kind of the time window that we've talked about. For but, but that's the thing. They're going into quarantine. They'll do follow-up testing. If they test positive, they'll stay in quarantine. If they are test negative at that point, that's when they'll be able to come back and kind of rejoin everybody else. And that's that's how it's going to have to be. And like you said, it'll, it'll ha- it happened at Ole Miss. Won't be surprised when it happens at State. Won't be surprised when it happens at Southern, LSU, Alabama. It's just this is what's going to happen. Yep. Um, have you heard, hey, Dad, any reporting in terms of how it's going at Mississippi State? I know you mentioned yesterday that you hadn't talked to anybody since earlier in the process. No, they've got their plans in place. Uh, we even saw some of those, I think, for the for the university's reopening with all of its departments and department heads and what was going to be allowed and what wasn't. Um, anything in terms of return to campus for athletes and positive tests? Haven't heard anything on that front, and I have to assume that means no news is good news. But like you said, you know, we were full, you know, what five days away from the start of workouts, and I don't know that everybody is back on campus just yet. Uh, so, you know, I assume as people can come back, and, you know, if they've just done those tests, it's possible that the results haven't come back in either. So I, I will be really surprised if we get to Friday or Saturday and State hasn't released at least one person has tested positive. 
Jason says, it scares me how many people are asymptomatic and have been circulating here since January. Y'all notice how many deaths they announced for months ago. We have no idea how many people got this thing and didn't find, nor do we have any idea how many it's killed or maimed. That's terrifying, especially when we're just now testing, quote-unquote, enough. Um, I mean, I get that, but at the same time, isn't that a little encouraging? I, 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 please understand, I'm not trying to go half glass full, but if we think that the permeation, I don't know if that's the right word or not, of COVID-19 is kind of everywhere, and yet in terms of the population at large, there is a statistically very small number of people who have been effective negative affected negatively by COVID-19 is that not a positive feels like it should be I mean I'm kind of thinking out loud when I say that but I mean obviously as people continue to test positive they're going to be quarantined and you know it's going to be an issue and they're going to continue to update the numbers and, and whatnot but if lots more people, and, and I guess that's why we're doing the antibody testing as well that goes along with this, but I don't know. In, in some strange way, it's almost like it's more comforting if there are a whole lot more people that have... Eh, I don't know if I'm even saying that right. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Take a quick time out and be back with you. First hour with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Uh, Cole Kubelik will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line a little bit later this afternoon. That's coming up at 20 minutes after 5. We'll talk some college football with him. We might even like do some, I mean, not necessarily chalk talk X's and O's, but kind of get into what this season may look like. Not like from a fans in the stands perspective, but like games on the field. That'd be a different way to go about an interview in in the times that we are in right now. Uh, Some of what's coming up as we cruise through the rest of the show this afternoon, Drew Brees catching a lot of heat. And... We'll ask you if it's deserved or if you agree with Drew Brees. Another major figure in college football has passed away. Former Tennessee head coach Johnny Majors died at the age of 85. He was a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. His wife of 61 years made the uh, the announcement. Um, wonder how... Did the relationship with Phil Fulmer and Johnny Majors ever mend itself at all? They brought him back. Any for idea? Something. They brought they brought him back for something up there at Tennessee. I want to say so. I have to. He they they honored him. This did yeah because I was there. That was the day they played Mississippi State. Uh, so I mean he 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 showed up to it. So I have to assume that they were they were at least on good enough terms to get him to come up there and be part of that event. Hmm. 
Johnny Majors was Pittsburgh's head coach in 1973 when they uh, he became their head coach in 1973. Won a national championship in 1976 with a perfect 12 and 0 season. Anybody, uh, any names we might recognize that played on that team, Mr. Haydad? Uh, off the top of my head, Tony Dorsett would be uh, the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. Was Jackie Sherrill there earlier? He he recruited Dorsett, but yeah, he he had already gone to I think Washington State when they won that national title. Okay, so he coached with Johnny Majors at Pittsburgh and played there also. No, Jackie Sherrill played at Alabama. Ah, I knew that. I knew that. But he did coach at Pittsburgh with Johnny Majors. He coached at Pitt as an assistant with Johnny Majors, and then came back to Pitt uh, and coached there for I think four seasons. Gotcha. So, um, sad news on uh, on that front. Major League Baseball. I don't even know what they're doing anymore. And maybe it's time for us to quit riding the waves of emotion of, oh, goodness, they're going to play. Nope, not going to play. Yeah, they're going to play. No, they're probably not going to play. Who's going to look good? Who's going to look bad? Kind of quick synopsis. We'll dive into this a little bit deeper this afternoon, but but, Rippy, when you look at this at the surface level, what's going on with baseball right now? The same thing that I and plenty of other people included have said. It's short-sightedness when the long term is actually going to be more damaging. And oh, they want to save, the owners want to save money so bad on this season that they're kind of losing the forest for the trees. So, uh, you know. I feel like my optimism and like the level of it has been a pretty wild roller coaster, and now it's it's trending back down again. I thought after the counter proposal on what was that Monday afternoon, it's like okay maybe they meet in the middle somewhere around seventy eighty games and we get this thing going, and now it's just at a standstill again. Meanwhile, the NBA was able to figure something out pretty quickly, uh, despite not having a plan for for quite a while. So disappointing. Yeah. I can't help but wonder if, Morky, you, you were critical of Adam Silver and the seeming inaction with the NBA. kind of can't help but wonder if maybe there was a whole lot more going on behind the scenes than any of us realized and they just weren't leaking every single detail of the talks and the negotiations along the way, the way Major League Baseball has been. And we viewed that as inaction when in reality it was quite the opposite. Yeah, and that's probably what was going on. I still can't quite figure out why they are uh, not starting until July 31st. Uh, so I think that that might make both statements true because the they are going to pass it unanimously tomorrow. I mean, everybody's all in. Uh, so that shows strength and a good conversational rapport between uh, commissioner, owners, and players and everything in between. But what took you so long? And why are you waiting so long? So both of them might be true now. Yeah. We'll get into the Drew Brees story when we uh, when we come back. He made some pretty strong statements that are not very different from what he said three years ago when all of the debate about kneeling during the national anthem was uh, was happening and is receiving a ton of backlash from it, as you would expect. A little bit of a social media firestorm. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We will be right back with you after this. From the 4 o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. C Spire text line is open to you. 
The number is 601-879-4395. Experiencing fever, cough, sore throat, or shortness of breath, C Spire and UMMC are partnering to offer free COVID-19 screening through the C Spire Health app for all Mississippians experiencing symptoms. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. So if you go to really any of the major news sites, you can um, you, you can find this. ESPN.com, top story on the uh, headline sidebar. Saints Drew Brees says he'll never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag. So Mike Triplett is the writer. He says, after earlier sharing a message of unity on social media, New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees attracted backlash earlier today when he reiterated his stance on how he will, quote, never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America, close quote, during an interview interview with uh, Yahoo Finance. Or Finance. They were the first comments in the wake of George Floyd's killing last week first comments by Drew Brees and his remarks on the flag drew a sharp rebuke on social media from lots of people including LeBron James Drew Brees gave a pretty lengthy response to ESPN when asked about the perceived conflict between his two stances standing arm in arm with his teammates and talking about never disrespecting the flag. And Drew Brees said this, I love and respect my teammates and I stand right there with them in regards to fighting for racial equality and justice. I also stand with my grandfathers who risked their lives for this country and countless other military men and women who do it on a daily basis. So... What's your reaction to this? Mine was read the room. And this is tough to say without sounding like I'm asking him to lie, but that's not really what I'm doing. So you're not just a person, right? I mean, he is a quarterback, the most recognizable figure on a football team that is mostly African-American men, right? I mean, that's that's factual. Um I don't care about social media reaction. Uh, Most of social media is a garbage pit. Uh, I don't think what he said was inappropriate. It's basically the same thing he said a few years ago, and nobody had a real problem with it then at all. It's the same thing. And he, he tried to straddle a line by saying he loves and respects his teammates, but also um, it disrespects the flag and stuff. It's a, it was a very common take when Kaepernick was doing his thing. And it will be common when the players inevitably start kneeling for the anthem again this coming fall. I don't care about the columns or what blue check mark Twitter says or social media reaction, but the problem with what he said and when he said it is he now has angry teammates. And that's where it becomes an issue. And that's where you should have read the room and decided, you know what, a coach speak answer would have been better here because now he has to deal with two. His top two wide receivers are furious. Uh, one of his team captains is furious. Another one of his team captains um, is part of a new coalition to uh, 
Demario Davis is heavily involved in racial injustice and stuff like that. His locker room is furious with him, and that is what matters when you are a quarterback. So is what he said untrue? That's up for you to decide. Sometimes you don't need to share your full opinion on things depending on the platform and where you are in the atmosphere and the situation. I don't I don't really care what he said. It didn't bother me, and I'm not bothered. Like, Who cares about what the reaction is? But maybe a, you know what, I'm not focused on that right now. I'm focused on getting ready for the season, uh, taking care of my family during a pandemic and, and stuff like that. So that's where my focus lies. I'm not really focused on uh, something like that right now. Perfect. Non-controversial. You didn't, it, it, and you don't have a pissed off locker room. And that's the, that's the only problem that I have here is what he said has now angered his football team and his teammates. And that's when it becomes more of an issue than what social media thinks. Pretty good text here on the C Spire text line. It says, in business, it's called environmental scanning. Breeze is a leader. Know the men you lead. Philip also says, yes, read the room and try to stay out of mixing politics and work. That's exactly what got Kaepernick in trouble, right? But the whole stick to sports thing doesn't really fly right now. He was also asked a direct question about the kneeling again. Like, it wasn't a general question about what's happening right now. But you don't have to I answer di- it. I, I don't disagree with that at all. I was about to say I generally tend to agree in terms of just, like, throw out some platitudes or whatever yeah. and just kind of dodge it. You don't have to answer it. But it wasn't like he also just offered this up when talking about the current climate in the country and everything going on right now. Right. Which, so- I, before I saw the video is what I originally thought it was. And I was like, well, that seems dumb. And then it... You know, him being asked a direct question about it, probably not the smartest answer, probably should have balked at it, but, you know, I don't know. It seemed like the guy baited him a little bit, too, because obviously he asked that question knowing his prior stance, and I think actually mentioned that when he asked the question. So he basically asked him whether he'd back off it or not. It was more tricky than I think, uh, you know, you would want it to believe to be, but obviously not, not the greatest answer in the moment. Guy can read the defense better than anybody in the league, but he can't read the room, evidently. Just, just... Borky's right. There, there's a way to answer that question without answering it. And, I mean, if you want to answer it, you know, there, there, we see somebody on the text line, how come everybody can give an opinion but, but Drew can't? No, Drew can give an opinion. I, I agree or disagree, you know. He can give his opinion. But opinions have reactions. And his teammates are not happy with him. And now a team that, you know, looks like it's poised to, you know, stay in the Super Bowl hunt is going to have a, a, a lot of, of locker room issues. And then that's, that's going to be bad. Just, from a football sense, this is going to hurt the Saints. I'll, I'll be surprised if it doesn't hurt the Saints. Not to mention, there's countless examples of statements being put out by teams and athletic leaders that say absolutely nothing. Like It's yeah. a bunch of words that say nothing. Oh, yeah. Like, there's, yeah. There's, there's, pl- there's plenty of homework to look at. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just a couple catchphrases and, a, and, a, and a, you know this, that, and the other, and boom. I mean, this, yeah, you're done. His team's owner statement was praised as very good. Just refer to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I second what Gail said about this. I, I'm with her. I'm with our team. I stand by what she said, and I'm focused on the season. That's all you got to do. And instead, he's going to have to, you know, get Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, you know, back in his good graces. And it's, it's just, yeah. All right. Uh, a lot of your text messages kind of go the other way. Uh, if I was his teammate, I would want to know what people think. Don't hide it. 
When you are a but real man, you stand up. Could you answer that when it actually up? happens? Like he's answering a question about kneeling for the second time before kneeling for the second time has actually happened yet. Yeah, could have been like you know we'll simply we'll cross that bridge when we get there kind of thing. Is it? Could he have been? Could he have answered the question about kneeling simply as this? You're never going to see me kneeling during the national anthem. And it's not because I don't have a great deal of respect for others who feel the need to do that, but for me, the national anthem and the American flag represent sacrifice from hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of men and women who have put their lives on the line to serve our country. I understand that the flag may not mean the same thing to everyone else, but that's where I stand on this issue. Would that have been okay, or would he have been castigated for that as well? I don't know. It's such a tricky thing. You know, it's just, it's just, especially today, today, you know, of, of this this particular moment in time, it's just, it's such a, it's such a delicate thing. I don't know what he could have said, other than, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't know what he could have said. I don't know. But I do, I do know that what he said has has raised has kicked over the hornet's nest. Because if you ask me that question right now, my response would be, "You're not ever going to see me taking a knee or bowing my head or anything else during the national anthem. I'm going to stand and I'm going to look at the flag." And I'm going to reflect on the men and women who have chosen to serve our country and those who have given the ultimate sacrifice. But I also understand that the flag represents the freedoms that we get to live by in this country, and so I'm not going to judge somebody else for their beliefs. I think that's how I would answer it. It's tough to come out and say, you know, that, I mean, a soldier told him to do this, so... I don't know. Sports Talk Mississippi. Text message from Thomas in Greenwood on the ceasefire text line. Are his teammates actually angry with him, talking about Drew Brees, or are they virtue signaling and pretending to be outraged at what they are expected to be outraged at? Maybe I'm wrong. It's possible I am. But considering the relationship that Michael Thomas and Drew Brees had before this happened, I highly doubt that Michael Thomas is choosing to be openly outraged at his quarterback for no good reason. Uh, that that just doesn't strike me as something that, that their relationship would have in it, uh, considering how they are and have been towards each other and what they do for each other in a professional sense. I just don't see Michael Thomas as a virtue signaler when it comes to his quarterback. I just I feel like painting Drew Brees as a bad guy is just opportunistic for the sake of well, in fairness, gotcha. yeah, in well, fairness to Thomas, he said he this- just doesn't understand. He wasn't like, "Oh, he's a he's a jerk." It's just he's just uh, Emmanuel Sanders called him ignorant to the situation. Michael Thomas said he just doesn't get it. Not I hate him. It's he doesn't understand what's going on. Therefore, what he said is bad. Not he's bad guy. 
guy doesn't understand said bad thing not on purpose. Yeah, most of the, like, I think you're lumping in probably, not you, but just people collectively are lumping in his teammates' reactions to the general social media reaction, where generally it's just virtue signaling nonsense to where you feel better about yourself by putting someone else down and, like, you know, making them seem less sympathetic, therefore you feel, like, morally superior. But I don't know. I think the teammates' feelings are probably legitimate. I I kind of agree with Borky there. Um, I just don't think it's necessarily the same as, you know, the 9,000 comments on his tweet or whatever that doesn't really matter as much as what his teammates think. But, like, would this not have been received much better if he had doubled down on this in September as opposed to the week after, uh, you know, the George Floyd killing and, you know, kind of everything that's going on right now? Would have been quite different. That's why read the room It was... Yeah, exactly. Kind of goes back to the original read the room sentiment. Um, you know, doesn't mean he's not allowed to speak his mind, but I don't think you can be shocked when it's met with criticism given the timing of it. Hey, Dan, I think you said earlier that you think this will be an issue for the Saints going forward. Why do you believe that? It just, it just feels that way. It feels like, I mean, I hate talking about this kind of stuff. It feels like the way things are in this country right now, that we are on the verge of like some big kinds of changes. And I don't think people are going to be as forgiving about things like this anymore. And I just feel like his teammates aren't going to look at him the same. Because, it, because what's he going to do? He's going to issue an apology that's sort of what Rippy was talking about a few minutes ago. That'll It'll have some buzzwords in it, and it'll sound great, but it, it will signify nothing. And we'll just sort of have to move on. I, I just don't know how. You know, it, it doesn't seem like they're just going to look at him the same way anymore. And that's the quarterback, you know. This isn't some backup offensive lineman. That's that's the guy that, you know, they're supposed to rally around. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. I don't necessarily disagree, but given the fact that most of this team has played together so long and Drew Brees is 40 and on the verge of retirement, this seems like something they could overcome versus if this were, I don't know, Sam Darnold in whatever core they're trying to build in yeah. New York to where that could really disrupt this. But the Saints feel like they're kind of on their last leg in terms of this collective group man by breeze going on a super bowl run you can kind of i mean look at the last dance and everything in 98 totally different situation but when you have a group of older guys that have been together a long time you can push bigger things aside and kind of focus on the common goal as a saints fan i hope that's the case we do get a text here that says do you change your beliefs to be politically correct we've had a few more that are asking oh do you what do you expect him to do just not believe the way he does because of who his teammates are and and the answer is no for example, I have a, a friend who is very, very, very far left-leaning politically. That's what he is. He's a wonderful person. Uh, he's, he's got a great wife, and, and he pays all of his taxes, and he's a great dude. But he's as left on the political spectrum as you can imagine. So when we're around each other, I, I don't bring up political topics. I, I don't bring up President Trump. I, I don't go down that road because I know that we're very different, and in some cases it kind of upsets him a little bit. So I just avoid it. I I love him. I I like spending time with him. Great dude. But there are things that I don't say around him because I know the reaction is not going to be a good one or he's not going to like it. That's just what I do to accommodate other people. We feel differently on a lot of things. But we like being around, we like spending time with each other, so we're friends. Same situation here, I would say. Drew Brees is free to feel and say whatever he wants. I, I, I don't think anything he said was inappropriate. However, when you are a quarterback, in, in this time especially, when you know 
you know that you've got teammates, no matter what you think about their side, or, or if you think they're right or wrong or whatever, you've got teammates that will absolutely not receive that well. They will not receive that well. Maybe you just don't say it for the sake of keeping your football team intact emotionally. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not saying he shouldn't feel that way or that he's wrong for feeling that way, but sometimes you don't have to share all of your opinions at once. Sometimes you just... I, I do it. I do it at home. I do it with my friends. I, there are things that I could say that would really upset Paul Gallo tomorrow morning, but I choose not to because that's not good for super talk if I did. Same I mean, thing it's, here. It's just common sense. You know, sometimes your wife makes you upset, but you just go and lay into her? No, because, you know, you got to live. And that's sort of the same thing here. You know, sometimes you have an unpopular opinion. That's Maybe it's popular with you. It's popular with a lot of people, but it's unpopular with the people you have to work with. You have to work with these people. So you got to be smarter about what you say. Stan and Ripley says, but Borky, the reporter, asked him the question. If he avoided it, they would put words in his mouth anyway. And I had somebody on Twitter tell me that, oh, if he'd have given a coach speak answer, you would have ripped him for it. Quite opposite. Well, Quite opposite. No. Well, if, then, even if they you could had, say, it wouldn't be yeah. anyone, of, anyone that matters at all right. ripping him for right. it. Right. It it's not Michael Thomas getting upset. It would have just been a few anonymous people, or a, maybe a couple hundred or a couple thousand anonymous people on Twitter being angry because that's just kind of the essence of the website. But it wouldn't have it wouldn't have upset anyone that he has to like you know coexist with, right? Yeah, and that's the difference here. That's I think what's getting lost on on some of the the texters. There's been so many; it's hard to keep up. But I, I am none of us are saying that he should not be allowed to say what he did or what he said is wrong or morally incorrect. It's not what we're saying. All all I am simply saying is, especially with what's going on right now. And considering who your teammates are and what you have to do with them, sometimes it's best to give a coach speak answer and move forward without controversy. Yes. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like whatever you think about Kaepernick and whether you agree, disagree, like dislike him or the protest, what the general, like generally what he was protesting, like happened last week, which in ter- kind of again goes back to read the room. few texts, there's just, uh, and we appreciate you guys uh, uh, texting the show uh, and engaging. Uh, so many are coming in, it's hard to uh, to keep up uh, with these. We get one question, why do you have to accommodate? Um, you don't have to, you but don't it's just smarter to, to if you work with them. Right. I mean, there there are people in this office I'm sure I, I would offend if I just shared every opinion I had. Yes. I, I, I'm 100% certain there are people in this office that I would offend if I shared every opinion that I have. I choose not to because it's best for the work environment that I'm in. Um, Pete, you do that with home, I'm sure, with your your wives and husbands and your children and your friends. I gave you the example of a good friend of mine who I avoid talking politics with because I know it. it it's just we disagree and it upsets him. And so I, I just avoid it because I like our relationship, so I don't want to damage it. Drew Brees. It sounds like uh, Gorky wants to super talk Festivus. <laughs> hey, I've I got, got a, a lot few, of problems buddy. with you people. <laughs> but uh, no, that, that's certainly not worth saying at it's all. It's not over until Rippy can pin me to the ground. I'll just say that right now. <laughs> if I'm ever the boss of somewhere, I might actually have a company wide Festivus. That would be fantastic. 
But hmm. again, it's just common sense, you know. If it's called, it's like you said, it's reading the room. All right. Right now, African Americans don't want to hear ab- about this. That they, don't, they just don't. And if you're a, the quarterback of a football team and that's who you work with, then you can't say that. You just can't. You have to be smarter about it. You can give a perfectly acceptable non-answer. You're more than happy, more than welcome to believe whatever you want to believe, but you have to be smarter about what you say when it affects your teammates like this. It's just it's just it's just not smart on Breeze's part. Richard and Wiggins says never underestimate the power of silence. There were uh, several of you that uh, texted in and said, hold on, I just got in the truck. What did Drew Brees say? What are you guys talking about? We'll uh, kind of recap that in uh, in a second. We'll give you the extended quote from uh, Drew Brees and talk about some of the reaction. Look, I, I don't necessarily need to know what did LeBron James think of this, but LeBron James responded on Twitter, and he was pretty passionate in his response. So... Goodness gracious. The uh, the Yahoo Finance original tweet with the video from Drew Brees, almost 100,000 likes and about 32,000 people talking about that particular tweet. It's a mess. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Wednesday afternoon story that seems to be getting the most attention today is the one surrounding the comments from uh, Drew Brees. A lot of interaction with you and lots of strong opinions on both sides of this issue. There were a number of you that texted in and said, wait, what did Drew say? What, what are we What are we talking about here? Kind of late to the uh, party. So Drew Brees was interviewed by Yahoo Finance and was asked about um, the upcoming NFL season and the likelihood that players will kneel like they did three years ago during the National Anthem and all of the controversy that went uh, against with that. And how would he deal with it? What was his stance? And Drew Brees said that he will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States. He went on to say, I love and respect my teammates, and I stand right there with them in regards to fighting for racial equality and justice. I also stand with my grandfathers who risked their lives for this country and countless other military men and women who do it on a daily basis. NFL players across the league, teammates have um, been not pleased with Drew Brees' statement. LeBron James has spoken out about it on Twitter as well. Breeze went on to say, I believe we should all stand for our national anthem and respect our country and all those who sacrificed so much for our freedoms. That includes all of those who marched for women's suffrage in the 1920s and all those who marched in the civil rights movements and continue to march for racial equality. All of us, everyone, represent the flag the same way I respect all the citizens of our country, no matter their race, color, religion. Nobody's going to hear any of that, though. I mean, it, it doesn't matter, I don't think, what else Drew Brees says. You would have to hope, though, that the people who he's close to, closest to, his teammates, some of the other players in the league, his coaches, the ownership of the Saints, his family, his friends, that those people would listen 
to the rest of what he's got to say because you know that like screaming the into the computer social media world nobody wants to hear it all they want to do is tell him how he's a terrible person and he's an idiot and he doesn't understand and he's privileged and all of those things and it's almost like in in some of this reaction there's no amount of equity in the good that Drew Brees has done through his foundation and through charitable works and I mean as recently as just a couple of you know a month or so back giving five million dollars to help COVID relief and victims of COVID-19 that were struggling it's, it's like none of that matters for anything because he said something that was viewed as offensive today and that just feels pretty darn unfair It'll matter in the long term. Nobody will remember this as part of Breeze's legacy in five years, much less ten. No. I agree with that. No, it won't matter. Uh, the the non-starter for people like Sanders and, and Thomas is whether or not you agree with the sentiment at all, um, they believe that the initial taking a knee during the anthem protest was not an intention of disrespect. Again, it was a uh, Green Beret uh, that suggested right. that type of protest to them. Uh, if anybody knows about military service and sacrifice and, and the American flag and all that stuff, it would be one. Uh, the, those players believe that that protest was one, not intention to disrespect the flag or the anthem. Um, whether or not you agree with them, it simply doesn't matter. That is what they believe. And two, they know, or at least they believe, that those protests are directly about police brutality. And I don't know if you've noticed, there is chaos in the country right now that began with an incident of police brutality that led to the death of a man. So, all of that being understood, again, whether or not you agree with it, it, it that is what those players believe that is what LeBron James believes that is what the people that matter in this that are upset that is what they believe social media is going to be outraged about anything uh, anything at all they'll find a way to get pissed about it but the the stakeholders here the people that matter that is what the non-starter is once you say that the protest disrespects the flag that's all they need to hear they don't need to hear anything else because they know in their mind, like Emmanuel Sanders said, he doesn't understand why that happened or what that was about. And you can disagree with that fully. In fact, I, I do, to a degree. But that is why they have that statement, and that is why they don't like it. Because they believe that their teammate and quarterback does not understand where they are coming from and chooses not to. And again, doesn't matter whether or not you agree with it, that is what they think, and you're not changing their mind. Hmm. I certainly think there's some truth to that. Maybe even completely true. Which goes back to where this all started, and... Look, Borky, you, you started out, and, and hey, Dad, you kind of echoed it, and I guess you did as well, Rippy, when you said, he's got to read the room a little bit better than this. And somebody talked to us about a, a business principle called uh, 
environmental awareness. He said, you're, you're a leader, you've got to recognize the men you lead, which would be your teammates. And a lot of the responses that have come in on the ceasefire text line about that have been, you know, along the lines of, well, why should he have to bury his beliefs? It's, it's not even about burying your beliefs. It's about kind of understanding time and place. And so, yeah, that, there's a significant amount of what Drew Brees said that on the surface... I agree with and really don't make any apologies for but I feel like I am better understanding some of the very real and very legitimate concerns of the black community because you know lost in the protests but not really the protest I mean lost in the the looting and the destruction and the, the ugliness that's going on have been some really poignant messages and some heartfelt explanations from black men and women about why they live so much of their life in fear. Uh, Troy, um, it was Troy Edwards? Troy Edwards or Troy Vincent? Troy Vincent. Maybe it's Troy Edwards. Say what? Troy Vincent. Yeah, it was Troy Vincent Sr. who tweeted out a, a really um, a really interesting series of tweets about the talk that he had with his son as he left Virginia to go back to Columbus, Ohio to rejoin his football team. And in the event that he were pulled over by a police officer, this is exactly how she he should handle it. That he should turn his music off. That he should never have any sort of head covering on when driving down the road. That his car should be clean so a police officer isn't necessarily immediately suspect of what might have been in gum wrappers or candy wrappers that are in the floor. That he should have his license and insurance easily accessible and ready available. That he should keep his hands on the steering wheel, that he should only say yes sir or no sir, or yes ma'am or no ma'am to the officer, that he should, before he does anything or makes a move for anything, say to the officer, this is what I am about to do, and then do it. And the whole point was, he hopes that the country can get to a point where that's not a conversation that has to happen between African American parents and their children. And maybe I've had my head buried in the sand. And if I did, I'm readily admitting it right now. I didn't know that happened. Because that's not a conversation that my parents ever had to me. There are certainly conversations about being respectful to people in positions of authority, whether it's law enforcement or teachers or whatever. But we never had to go through a item by item, this is how you handle it if you get pulled over. I'm aware of that when I wasn't previously. And that's disheartening. I don't even know what my point was in there. Other than 
it's adding perspective time, right? to what the the players feel. I think it would be the point, right? Yeah, I, mean, I think so. I oh, I, I guess where I started with that is, you know, lost in the violence and the looting and the riots and smashed out windows and theft and all of that that's going on is some really powerful messaging that if we listen to there's some pretty important stuff out there and maybe some stuff that in the past I've kind of glossed over and moved along and just kind of rolled my eyes about I'm not doing that anymore Sports Talk Mississippi Lunchtime today from Ken Rosenthal. Major League Baseball rejected the union's proposal for a 114-game season and said it would not send a counter, sources tell The Athletic. The league said it has started talks with owners about playing a shorter season without fans and that it is ready to discuss additional ideas with the union. When it says the league has said it has started talks with the owners, is that like the league office, Rob Manfred, the administrators at Major League Baseball are trying to talk with the owners about what they would be open to and then they're going to take that back to the players union? I I guess in these negotiations and discussions you've got the league office that is negotiating with the players union so the players union is representing the players and the league Air quotes is representing the owners. Am I deciphering that? Maybe there should be no confusion there, but the wording of his tweet sounds like you're right. Okay. Um. So, in a story at the Athletic, the whole two sides talking to each other and figuring things out kind of fell apart and they're kind of far apart that the whole 50 to 60 game schedule that Carl Ravitch and Jeff Passan broke in with on SportsCenter a couple of days ago was not a good faith offer but was rather a threat I feel like I'm to the point where I don't even understand what's happening in Major League Baseball anymore uh, I mean, the owners are just kind of strangling the life out of it, and the, like they're used to getting kind of exactly, exactly what they want in the grand scheme of things financially, and it's just not going to work out this time, and it is going to kill them long term. But for whatever reason, it doesn't seem they realize that. We were talking about how the long term thing is not lost on them last week. I'm probably wrong in that. It's kind of shocking that that it hasn't dawned on them yet. To be completely honest, that's been the most stunning part about the last two days to me. I agree. Because Haydad said something last week about, like, maybe they don't understand. And I was like, I'm admit at the moment, I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. I think they definitely understand they're billionaires, but you're probably right. Like, it doesn't, if it's gotten to this point, it doesn't seem like they do, which is kind of troubling. Which, never mind them not listening to Sports Talk Mississippi, it's almost like they're not reading anything because pretty much every major outlet and every, like, long term baseball writer at this point, has penned a column where it says, you, know, the, you thought 1994 was bad? Just wait. Yeah. Major apparently League Baseball. Nobody, go ahead. Apparently nobody can read the room. It's not just a Drew Brees problem. It's, 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 it's across the board. 
here today. Yeah, it just I think part of it is these guys have never been like us. They've never been fans who just you know a lot of these guys bought their teams because they thought it was a good investment, and you know they're, they're looking at it straight from a, uh, from a financial standpoint. They're not looking at it from the terms of you know I'm a fan of this team and I want to see them play. Now I'm sure they cheer for their team because you know the better your team does, the more money you can make, but. They, they don't know what it's like to be a fan of a team. And this is just it's just nonsense. It's incredible to me that this might that we've gotten to the point where with everything else that's that's going on in the world that Major League Baseball might just say, we're not going to play this year. And don't worry, though, we'll be back next season and just expect everybody to show up like nothing happened. And, and we'll be the only professional sports organization that does that. Yes. Golf, golf figured it out, and they're getting back to the course a week from tomorrow. NASCAR has already run seven races coming back from COVID nineteen. Well, Richard, those no, I understand. I understand that they're not dealing with the same labor issues and ownership issues and players union, and I understand. Just kind of going down the list of golf is coming back, NASCAR is back, the NBA is coming back, the NHL is coming back, the NFL is not going to miss a beat. We're going to get college football back. We're going to get college basketball back. We've got the English Premier League back already, or coming back. The Bundesliga is already back. Serie A is coming back. All over the world, everybody is figuring it out. It's not easy for anybody. Everybody's lost money in this. If you're an individual, you've probably lost money. Most, most people. If you're a small business owner, most of you have probably lost money at some level. What? It's what close to 50% of, of the franchise, franchise. You've lost yeah. money. But Major League Baseball owners are going, yeah, but you know what? We're not going to continue to lose. We'll just shut it down this year. What What does it say about your business model that you will lose less money by not playing than by playing? That is an, That means you have got some severe issues. Imagine a business, a pizza place, just saying, we lose less money by not being open. It's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, maybe their counter, Rippy, would be, you used the phrase earlier, not seeing for the, the, the forest for the trees. Maybe they would say that to you. No, no, Rippy, from a financial standpoint, you're not seeing the forest from the trees. We, we've got to figure something out long term. Eh, they're wrong. Feels pretty short-sighted there, <laughs> friends. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm on this Wednesday afternoon. Rolling into the 5 o'clock hour, we've got the college football fix driven by Ford coming up in just a matter of moments. Cole Kubelik will join us about 15 minutes from right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. C Spire text line is open to you. Equip your organization for simple, successful business continuity with a work-from-anywhere toolkit from C Spire Business featuring powerful resources like UC1 and Office 365. Learn more today at cspire.com slash business. Before we get to the college football fix, um, I thought this was pretty good stuff. Uh, Josina Anderson, who uh, formerly was with ESPN, I guess is now a uh, an unrestricted free agent, uh, and is just considered to be an NFL insider, said she just talked to Cam Jordan from the Saints on Drew Brees' comments. All right, Cam Jordan, pretty highly thought of in that locker room, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, listen to this. There's some context here, which is so frequently missing. 
Jordan says to Josina Anderson, when I saw a portion of the clip, I immediately felt some type of way. I remember back in 2017, we discussed it and took a knee before the flag, and we showed that we were unified by the time the national anthem started. That was several years ago, and you saw a unification of the team. But in the offseason, we don't have the same access to each other every day. So I'm going to partake in the full interview he did with Yahoo Finance first and then discuss how emotions feel. I do know I've had an open dialogue with some of my teammates the entire time. We haven't gotten to include Drew yet. I dropped the ball there. I'm my brother's keeper. That's on me for not being more well aware. Still, I want to watch this full interview. It's a pretty measured response. Yeah, he's a guy that carries a lot of respect in the locker room. He's a bright guy. I don't know if you've ever like if they get eliminated from the playoffs. A, a lot of and he'll do summer work too with like NFL Network and uh, if they get eliminated, he'll do stuff with Fox. He's going to be a broadcaster when he hangs it up. Like really bright, like charismatic, witty guy. Makes sense. Has he ever been tight uh, teammates with that tight end Jordan Cameron? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> His dad was a Hall of Fame running back, I think. No, he's not a Hall of Famer, but he played. He was tight Vikings end. Hall Steve, of Fame. Steve Jordan, yeah, Vikings Hall of Famer, yeah. Uh, not not quite the same thing, I suppose. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, their new safety, hadn't played with the team yet. Posted an Instagram video in which he said, "Quote: Sometimes you should just shut the up." And he has since deleted the video and said Breeze has reached out to him and he still feels emotions, but at least uh, the quarterback is making his rounds. Yeah, and I mean, that's how this – I mean, and, and hey, Dad, going back to, to what you said earlier today, you, you, you feel like this could be a long-term issue. Drew Breeze can make it not a long-term issue by dealing one-on-one with his teammates. I hope by that's By not the airing case. anything out publicly – just by dealing with his teammates. I hope that's the case. I mean, but for some people, there are things that you can say that you can't forgive. I don't know if this is going to be that situation. I don't think it will be, but it could be. I guess that possibility is certainly in play as well. All right, time for the college football fix. Let's do that right now. Fitting. Mm. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. But more than that, you've got savings on all of Ford's lineup right now. Stop by and test drive, oh, maybe the F-150 or the Explorer or the Expedition or a Fusion. Whatever it is that uh, suits your fancy, test drive it at your local Mississippi Ford dealers today. Um... So Dabo Sweeney's got a little bit of a mess on his hands. A day after Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney spoke about racial injustice, a 2017 issue or incident in which a longtime member of Sweeney's coaching staff used that word that you're not supposed to use, the N-word at a practice, it came to light. Danny Pierman, the Tigers' assistant head coach, tight ends coach, and special teams coordinator, issued an apology last night after details that first emerged on social media were confirmed by news reports. 55-year-old Pierman used the slur while speaking with tight end DJ Greenlee 
who played for Clemson from 2013 until 2017. Real quick, the the pro, don't you hear the problem when you read that? Incident happened and has been confirmed to have happened in 2017, and on June 2nd of 2020 is when he acknowledges it publicly? Because it didn't come to light publicly before that. Yeah. Maybe there should have been an apology three years ago, but continue. Pierman's statement said, I made a grave mistake. I repeated a racial slur I overheard when trying to stop the word from being used on the practice field. What I overheard, I had no right to repeat. While I did not direct the term at any player, I know there is no excuse for me using the language in any circumstance. I never should have repeated the phrase. It was wrong when I said it, and it is wrong today. I sincerely apologize to DJ, his family, our team, and our staff. Pierman says he was reprimanded by Sweeney at the time after Greenlee went to the head coach. The state, which is the newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina, first identified the player involved in the incident as Greenlee and the coach as Pierman. Greenlee told the newspaper he had used the word with fellow tight end Mylon Richard while describing a play after Pierman talked to him about missing a block. He said Pierman then walked over and repeated what Greenlee said using the N-word a couple of times. So this came to light yesterday when Canyon Tuttle, a former Clemson walk-on, brought light to the incident on Twitter. He is the son of former Clemson wide receiver Perry Tuttle. Canyon pushed back on remarks Sweeney had made on Monday when he was referring to Racial injustice. Sweeney referenced his faith in the power of change in response to the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Tuttle said that Sweeney, quote, allowed a coach to call, uh, to call a player the N-word during practice with no repercussions, not even a team apology. Tuttle also wrote that when Clemson students conducted a sit-in at Sykes Hall in 2016 to demand more diversity on campus, quote, you suggested us players try to stay, at, to stay out of it to limit distractions, close quote. He concluded his tweet by telling Dabo Sweeney, stop protecting your brand, take a stand. Ooh. It is a word that cannot be uttered under any circumstances if you are white. Period. And you can immediately come up with the well, people of color use that word talking to each other and rappers use that word doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Can't be said. Can't do it. It's not complicated. I just you can argue about double standards and right or wrong. It's a hollow argument. But what 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 do you do with this if you're Dabo Sweeney? Do something about it three years ago. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just I am. I'm 
while understanding context, I'm still surprised that, one, it didn't get out three years ago, and also the, the assistant still has their job. He's getting ripped for this today, understandably so, but I, I do this often. I don't really care. What if this was a coach on Lane Kiffin's staff or a coach on Mike Leach's staff? And that happened three years ago? And they didn't terminate that coach? What do you think the reaction would be? Dabo's getting ripped for it. I guarantee you, and whataboutism isn't really my thing, but in this case, I guarantee you it's worse than what Clemson's getting today. Yeah, because it's good old racist Mississippi, right? Yep, because nothing bad happens anywhere else. I I said that. I'm going to spell out that what I just said was with tongue firmly planted in cheek. But you know that's what the reaction would be. Mississippi at it again. That's what the reaction would be. And call for termination of the assistant for sure and maybe even the head coach. Mike Leach tweeted an image. on the field? It might. I, if I were a coach in their conference, I would negatively recruit the crap out of this. Because that's how it works. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm. at your college football fix. We'll talk with Cole Kubelik on the Farm Bureau phone line next. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm Wednesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us. And we welcome... Cole Kublik on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Cole, if it's okay with you, you spent a lot of time talking about a lot of really heavy stuff. I'd love to just talk football for a little while, uh, which is uh, seemingly uh, few and far between that that's happening right now. That suits you okay? Yeah, I'd be good with that. What is LSU going to look like this year because they lose so much to the draft and to graduation and so many playmakers off of that team. It's not a, a roster that's bereft of talent, but it's going to look so different than it did last year. But I think it'll still be better than people believe. Um, I, I think you you have maybe the best offensive player in the country, not named Trevor Lawrence, coming back in Jamar Chase. I think he's going to turn into more of a, a go-to target where they design things from him and he's not able to just take advantage of other players uh, around him that draw attention. I think you're going to see a quarterback that maybe is not as dynamic as Joe Burrow but understands the system because he's been in it, has an understanding of how to take advantage of matchups because they did it last year and he was able to watch it and absorb it. Um, I think you're going to see a team that has maybe – the best defensive player in college football returning, and Derek Stingley. Defensive line is going to be really good. Tyler Shelvin and Apuika and Glenn Logan, the middle of that D-line is going to be solid. And, you know, they, they got another probably first-round draft pick in Jacoby Stevens that's going to be like a hybrid linebacker safety guy. So they've got players, and they've got guys, and they had a lot of guys that played a lot of football last year. You said it, it won't look the same, but I think – one thing that's going to be really important for LSU and that, that they have in their favor and in their benefit right now 
that not a ton of other teams have is what we just went through with this pandemic through quarantine, guys being home on their own, you guys not being around their coaches, being around their strength coaches. Culture matters a lot. When you have developed a culture of winning and good habits and expectation and maturity, that's what carries you through what we just went through. And that's what makes it so hard for schools like Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Arkansas and Missouri because they, they, they haven't been around that staff. They don't really know what the expectation is. And there's just inherently a lot of question marks with what you're doing, why you're doing it, and who you're doing it for. So I think what, was the- what has been built by Ed Orgeron will benefit that team greatly because that, that, that championship expectation of doing extra – understanding how to close games out, how to win games, who, who's going to step up and make plays, that's already there for LSU. Now, that might not last two, three more years, but you've got a lot of that coming back for this season. Is the loss of quarterback, running back, couple of wide receivers, tight end, Grant Delpit on the defensive side, is that a bigger loss for LSU, or is it the loss of Joe Brady and Dave Aranda? No, no, it's, it's players. Absolutely, no, it's absolutely players. Those those guys went okay. out and made plays. Um, you know, I, and that's. I mean, I would would have Grant Delpit down on that list of guys that were more important. I'd have Caleb on Chase on ahead of him. I'd have Patrick Queen ahead of him as far as guys that meant more to that defense last year. I think Derek okay. Stingley over the course of the year meant more than he did last year. Um, I, I I I think. The, the the most difficult task they're going to have is going to be defensively because Dave was so good at having guys understanding conceptually what they were doing and why. And you know, we got to sit down with him early in the season, and he told us how they were essentially revamping who they were because after the Texas game, they, they couldn't be what they thought they were going to be able to be. Um, but he has that ability to communicate with players like that, help players understand certain things like that. That's why he's a great coach. He's going to be a good head coach. So I think the defensive side with Pelini coming back is, is their biggest challenge. Yeah, replacing the players is tough, but I mean, teams lose players every year. Um, trust me, they, they knew at different points in that season what guys weren't going to be back, what guys were going to have to be replaced, and and they've worked through that, and they, they have an understanding of that. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going, to get Joe, you're going to get a guy who's anywhere close to what Joe Burrow was last year at quarterback. But I mean, let's just let's take running back. And we we talk about how big of a loss that was. I was literally sitting here laughing at LSU fans this time last year. This was running back you, and and that's your guy. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be your guy, really. <laughs> and I thought that was something that might prevent them. I th- I literally thought that position by in and of its own might keep them from winning the West or winning the SEC. And then all of a sudden he's a first round draft pick, and he was he was the best all-around running back in college football last year. So things happen. Things change. There are guys who are ready that we just don't know about yet. And, you know, Ed, Ed Ordron's done an amazing job of developing guys. Nobody thought Thaddeus Moss would be the guy that he was physically, especially last year. Clyde Edwards Hilaire didn't think he'd be that guy. We didn't know. I mean, you think about Patrick Queen. Like, Why didn't we know Patrick Queen was going to be what he was last year? Well, he was sitting behind the number five overall pick the year before. I mean, though. When you're playing it behind a guy like that, you don't get a ton of opportunity. So there will be guys playing behind. They love their secondary. You know, Cordell Flott is a kid from Alabama that was a freshman last year. They love his instincts, love the way that he can play. Um, 
I, I think they like their young group of linebackers as well. I think the talent is is not going to be a severe drop off. It's just it's going to be it's going to be quarterback. If they get good quarterback play, they have enough skill. They have a system in place. That I mean, Joe Brady's gone, but the system's not going to change. Steve's going to run it the way they ran it last year. I mean, he's got it. He's got the playbook. He knows why they did certain things. And maybe at times it's not as good, but it'll be close. And Steve Smith has been around. He's been around enough football to be able to draw it up and, and help make things happen. Let's stick with the quarterback position, but move to the state of Mississippi. We know it's going to be KJ Costello playing quarterback for for Mike Leach. We don't know who the starter is going to be for Lane Kiffin, and obviously this spring might have gone a long way toward determining who that was going to be. You were big on John Rice Plumley. We've talked about that in the past. Do you think he ends up winning the starting job? Do you think it's Matt Corral? Do you think it's Grant Tisdale? Where, where does this end up in your mind for Ole Miss at the quarterback position under Lane Kiffin? It wouldn't blow me away if it was Matt Corral, but let, let's keep in mind that Lane, Lane Kiffin took a tailback at Alabama in Blake Sims and put together one of the best quarterbacking seasons in Alabama football history. Now, granted, they, tar- they targeted Amari Cooper 32 times a game, which that helps a lot, but I, I think Lane... The one thing that that I need to know that I don't know, because Lane told me face-to-face, he said, all those quarterback runs that you see, all that stuff that we put in, that's all locks. And Mike Loxley, he, he does all that. And then Dayball told us that the next year. So who's his guy that can, that can help with the quarterback runs? If he has that guy on staff that's proficient with it, that is progressive with it, and that can help get it installed and utilize it, then I think John Rice Plumley's the guy. And I think there may be a point that I don't anticipate the offensive line to be great. I mean, Nick Broker did some good things last year. That group's still going to be pretty young. And even though you have Jerry Ely, he got some good skill. I don't know if they're going to be able to go out and just run the ball because the scheme helped them run the ball so much last year. It may get to a point where, if it's even close from a passing perspective, that dynamic running ability that Plumley brings, you're not going to be able to keep it off the field. And I'll stick with that. I'll stick with, I just think that he brings such a dynamic change to your offense and what defenses have to defend that you're probably not going to be able to leave that off the field. You'll take three or four points off of your completion percentage. You'll take a turnover every two or three games instead. But you've got to have that dynamic capability. He can score from anywhere on the field. And, and I don't know if you can keep that on the bench if you're Lane Kiffin. All right, only got about a minute or so left. At Georgia, I mean, the expectation has been Jamie Newman is the starter, and then you get the JT Daniels transfer news. If he ends up immediately eligible, is that a competition, or is this Jamie Newman's job? It's a competition just because the offense is new, the personnel is new, there's a new offensive line coach, There's neither quarterback has had a chance to assert themselves as a real leader on that football team, so... Yeah, you go into it as a competition, and that may ruffle the feathers of Jamie Newman because he probably thought it was just going to be his. But I think that's, again, I think we're going to see more quarterback runs, at least in the first half of this season, than maybe we've seen in a half of college football season the last five, six, seven years. Because that's a way to easily manage your offense. That's something that you can fall back on. 8, 12, 15 times a game that's just going to be easy picking. 
the defense is giving it to you, just pull it down and run it. Um, I think you'll see a lot more Q runs, designed option runs, read runs, where OCs are going to feel safe doing that. So if Jamie Newman gives you the better option to be able to do that 10, 15 times a game, he's probably your better option because he's, he's, he can throw the ball. Now, I'm not buying into this whole he's a top-five draft pick, best quarterback in the SEC. Like A lot of people really need to take a step back and relax with that stuff. But yeah. he does have a good arm. He's pretty accurate down the field. But the ability to be able to run the ball and have some durability with it is what will most likely win him the job. Football sandwich with Cole Kublik. Cole, thanks so much. Enjoyed it, man. Talk to you soon. Sports Talk Mississippi. Be right back. Mentioned this earlier, Johnny Majors, legendary coach for the Tennessee football team and a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, has died at the age of 85. His wife, Mary Lynn Majors, of 61 years, said it is with a sad heart that we make this announcement. John passed away this morning. He spent his last hours doing something he dearly loved, looking out over his cherished Tennessee River. Jimmy Hyams, who is a longtime sports talk host in Knoxville, says, I think Johnny Majors' name is synonymous with Tennessee football. He went 185, 137, and 10 in 29 seasons as a head coach at Iowa State, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee, native of Lynchburg, Virginia. He was uh, SEC Player of the Year two times as uh, a running back with the Vols in 1955 and 1956. Uh, College Football Hall of Fame as a player in 1987. First to head coach in 1968 at uh, Iowa State. In four years, he led that program, then became the uh, Pittsburgh head coach in 1973, won a national championship there in 1976. Um, hey, Ned, this might qualify for you. Johnny Majors is the first coach that I remember at Tennessee. Um, yeah. I lived in so I lived in West Tennessee until I was eight years old. I was born in Selmer, and then we lived in Dyersburg. We moved to Mississippi to Oxford in uh, November of 1988. So I have some memories of, you know, John Ward on the radio, Tennessee football when we were in West Tennessee. And Johnny Majors was the guy and uh, was the guy before was kind of semi forced out by, I guess that was coup number one by Philip Fulmer. Yeah. There, there's been a yeah. second coup. There has. Uh, to uh, to become the athletics director, but uh, is that, are you kind of the same way? Like your first yeah. memories of Tennessee football were Johnny Majors I, on the sideline as their head coach. I, I want to say Daryl Dickey was the coach before that, but I think I just know that I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Hmm. So sad news there for uh, Tennessee fans. But uh, in the same week, you lose uh, Pat Dye, uh, former Auburn head coach, and uh, also Johnny Majors, former Tennessee head coach. Had some buddies Vince that, Dooley. Uh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I had uh, had some buddies that uh, was texting with earlier today, and they were like, "Tough, tough two years for some of the legends from the Southeastern Conference uh, and the, those kind of old school type coaches." When you think about uh, Billy Brewer passing away a uh, little over, I, I guess, almost a couple of years ago, and you lose Pat Dye and you lose Johnny Majors. Those are uh, some of the names. From years gone by, the uh, the 80s in the uh, the SEC. Borky, what about this story from uh, Waco? 
A judge has ordered Baylor to turn over documents from the investigative law firm Pepper Hamilton. You may remember that uh, Pepper Hamilton uh, famously uh, didn't put the report, like, like they made an oral report, maybe even at the request of Baylor, as opposed to having a big, thorough written report that could be FOIA'd and whatnot. Uh, yeah, that will not be the case anymore. So we are going to learn really in detail what actually happened uh, at Baylor. So maybe Liberty University needs to keep a very close eye on this, although I suspect it won't change much for their AD's job status. However, uh, really ugly scene potentially going to unfold there. Story at the uh, Waco Tribune Herald says, Baylor University has used documents generated by the Pepper Hamilton Law Firm, quote, as a sword and a shield. Federal U.S. Magistrate Andrew Austin, who was assigned by District Judge Robert Pittman to manage the prolonged discovery process in the four-year litigation, ordered Baylor to turn over the hotly contested documents from the Philadelphia Law Firm to plaintiff's lawyers by July 15th or face sanctions. Uh... The judge's order, bluntly worded at times, warns Baylor to stop playing hide the ball, to turn over the documents in good faith, and to cease efforts to withhold them. And then this, finally, the court will not tolerate any more misreadings of a court order. Baylor has made a habit of avoiding discovery compliance by interpreting orders in its favor, even when the order directs otherwise. On at least two occasions, Baylor has accidentally failed to produce court-ordered production, both involving Pepper Hamilton materials. Pretty oh, uh, strongly worded, uh, worded court order. Order. How convenient is that? Hmm. Wonder what Chip and yeah. Joanna think about that. The magistrate went on to say, um, prohibiting reference to Pepper Hamilton's work quote, would require witnesses to testify in half-truths in order to pretend that Baylor conducted its own investigation and originated its own policy reforms. Baylor is effectively asking its witnesses to lie. Heesh. Boy, you got to believe that this is a story that Baylor's like, can, can this thing ever end? Although I guess as a university, they're the ones that are fighting it. Yeah, it probably could have ended a while ago. I mean... There's only so much you can do, right? I mean, Penn State, for example, um, everybody's gone there. And yes, they still, in some people's eyes, have a reputation. And in fact, when they, speaking of riots, when they had a group of people cause destruction on their campus when Joe Paterno got fired for covering up a serial child abuser... um, it's hard to ignore that that was like the culture there at the time, but still everybody involved is gone now, so Baylor could have done the same thing if they'd have just bitten the bullet, ripped the Band-Aid off, let it all go, while knowing that everybody involved in this is now gone and we can try to move forward and repair our image. They've kicked the can down the road, and now it's still getting talked about, and it's going to be really ugly when this thing comes out. And this could have happened years ago when they were in everybody's news cycle, and now here they are again. Hmm. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. Ceasefire text line is open 601 879 4395. 
Uh, a couple of people have pointed out that Bill Battle was the head coach at Tennessee that uh, Johnny Majors replaced. So, uh, got to love our fact checkers. Appreciate that, guys. Now that my life is different now. <laughs> you've, uh, you've got it. Uh, give me some good news, guys. Feels like it's been a lot of heavy today. Um, on the coronavirus front, because that is still a thing, uh, the lowest percent positive since this thing really began. In Mississippi or anywhere? Nationwide. Okay. So, I'll, there's I'll that. that good news. Under 5% uh, now, so it was like 4 point something percent, but the lowest percent positive in relation to uh, tests administered, almost 500,000 tests and under 5% were positive. So that's really good. Yeah. Um, we had uh, Governor Tate Reeves' press conference on before the show began from uh, 2.30 until 3 today. If you missed that and you need a new driver's license, uh, good news. Uh, the governor announced his safe return guidelines for permanent driver's license stations across the state to reopen this coming Monday. <laughs> Listen to this quote. He said, let's be honest. They were a mess before. The pent-up demand created by the pandemic is only going to make existing problems worse. We think we've got a plan in place to make it run as safely and smoothly as possible. There's a lot of structural work we've got to do uh, for a real fix. So if you need a new driver's license and your last name begins with the letters A through E, you can go in on Monday. F through L, Tuesday. Anybody can go on Wednesday for walk-in Wednesdays. Thursday, last names M through S, and Friday, last names T through Z. Are they really calling it walk-in Wednesday? Yep. Okay, great. <laughs> That's exactly what they're calling. In the, uh, the release from the governor's press secretary, it says walk-ins are welcome to visit on walk-in Wednesdays. Any, any idea when uh, you can go to the barber shop again and get your beard trimmed? Asking for a friend. That's me. Is that on walk-in Wednesdays? <laughs> I don't know when it is. I walked into a barber shop today and asked them that question, and they said no. But I thought salons were open. They are open, but they can't do beard trims. Well, you can get a haircut, but not a beard trim. That That is what I learned today. Huh. What is the difference? I guess the breathing, but... I guess. I don't know. They're closer to my mouth. I don't know. I mean, I'm still breathing when they cut the front of my hair. And they're, yep. like... Don't you have to wear a mask, though? Well, my wife cuts my hair, but when... Before I met her... <laughs> um, that's, I mean, it's that's, not an issue, then, Borky. It's not if your an issue for me now, hair. but for I'm not the only one that gets haircuts. Yeah. Hey, Dad, why don't you just get some clippers with a guard on it? And do it yourself. Well, the last time I did try doing that, I ended up clean shaven the next day. Uh, I'm not sure I have the the professional expertise. Well, can't you just put a larger guard on? I mean, I guess I could, but I could also screw it up again. I'd rather just let a professional do it. Pop an eight on there. You can't screw that up. <laughs> so, do you like go get the uh, the professional beard trim and like the face massage that goes along with it? No, nah, no, nah, I just get a haircut and a beard trim at the same time. Uh, so you, you were you able to get the haircut, or you just skipped no, I, on I, all of it? I don't really need the haircut that badly, but I need the beard trim. I think you might should stick with the clean-shaven look for a little while. No, God, no. We will wrap up this Wednesday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi.
Talk Mississippi Media Production.